Duke football and 35 years as either a national syndicated talk show host or a local talk show host. I think this is my first segment on Duke football. Uh, how about that? Out to the KDUS hotline. We're now joining the sports zone by Brett Freelander of SaturdayRoad.com. And Brett, uh, thanks for jumping on with us at late notice here. Uh, but uh, Duke last year, 9-4 and four, uh, under first-year head coach Mike Elko. This season, the Blue Devils, 4-0, and zero, all four wins by at least 20 points. What has impressed you the most with uh, Elko's first 17 games as a Duke head coach? Well, first of all, you are not the only one who is talking about Duke football for the first time in about four decades. So uh, you're, you're in a very large club there. Uh, yeah. The thing that, that's, um, that's really kind of impressed me and really just surprised me is how quickly he's been able to, to, to get this thing done. He's been a very effective defensive coordinator at Notre Dame, Texas A&M, Lake Forest. Uh, and, and so he's got the chops to, to do this. But the fact that he's done it four games into year two uh, is the amazing thing. You know, last year they won nine games, but only two of those wins came against Power 5 programs. Excuse me, not even Power 5. Uh, FBS programs with winning records. So they kind of, you know, you could explain away the success by saying they did it against a weak schedule. And, and that was the narrative going into this year, that Duke is going to be, just as good, if not better, because they have so many players back. Uh, but they may not be as good record-wise because they're playing a big boy schedule. Well, what do they do? Opening night, they go out and beat Clemson 28 to seven. So you know, I think that pretty much you know uh, gay, uh, caught everybody's attention. And now college game day is in Durham. Uh, they're playing a Notre Dame team as a ranked team. I think it's the first time since like 1997 I saw. That um, that Duke is play, is playing a ranked opponent as a ranked team, uh, and so this is it. I mean, you you wanted to be in the big time, boys. Here it is. Now here's your shot. Duke won some games uh, last year, and uh, you know they actually won some games. Going back to the David Cutcliffe era, they won some games here and there, and some you know big games or you know games that got your attention. But most of those games were because of offense. Uh, how has Elko quickly turned the Blue Devils into a more physical approach and team in just a short period of time? Well, he's, he's brought in guys off the transfer portal who are, who are big and physical, and, and you hit it right on the head. Uh, you know, when they played Clemson in the, uh, in, in the opening game, the, the, the thought process was, yeah, they've got a lot of good skill guys, but they're just going to get manhandled on the line of scrimmage, and they didn't on either side. I mean, they've got two offensive linemen who are probably going to be NFL draft picks, including one uh, who, who might be a, uh, a first-round pick. Uh, and, mm-hmm. you know, defensively, they've got guys like Dwayne Carter, who's now in his sixth year. Uh, he had a scoop and score last week against um, uh, UConn. Uh, they've got experience, and they've got size. And, and, and through this portal, you know, he's brought in a couple of guys off the, um, off the portal from the, the uh, secondary that's really improved their pass defense as well. Al Blade Jr. from Miami is, is one of them. Um, and and he, he just instilled kind of a, a just a, a, a blue-collar attitude, you know, there. And it's, you know, it's a blue-bud blood school when you think about uh, Duke basketball. But really, they're just a, a, a down-to-earth physical, you know, no-nonsense team. And they've got a lot of talent and they've got a lot of experience. You had 15 rushing touchdowns in four games. That, that's an enormous amount in a short period of time to start the season. 
Yeah, and, and especially since their quarterback, Riley Leonard, uh, threw for 20 yeah. touchdowns last year. And, you know, if they get into a situation where they have to, you know, have to throw the ball, he can. But right now they're just running the ball down people's throats. So, you know, there's really not a, a, a need for him to put up huge numbers off, uh, in the air. Yeah, I'm getting to Leonard. In fact, I was going to get to Leonard next, so let's do it right now. He's a really good quarterback. We actually played the audio of that long touchdown run against Clemson in our highlight package to begin today's show at the top of this hour. How has Leonard improved this much as a quarterback over his time there? Well, you know, it, it kind of came out of nowhere last year. He didn't win the starting job um, until right before the first game. And in fact, the guy who was his competition, Jordan Moore, uh, has uh, it was switched to wide receiver and one of their best receivers, uh, and that's another thing that Elko did. Uh, you know, he he took his best athletes, took his best players, and he made sure they were on the field uh, rather than having your backup quarterback you know stand there with a clipboard. He put them out on the field where he could use them. Uh, but um, but but he has grown in confidence. Uh, I think the fact that he has really kind of developed as a dual threat kind of guy. Uh, when he first started, he was a, looked at as a, as a, as a really uh, good passer, uh, and he has added that, as you said, the running element to it. He scored four touchdowns on the ground. He's only got two touchdown passes in the air. So uh, I, I think that's the biggest improvement, and uh, it, it's really kind of added an element to that offense that has made it really kind of difficult to defend. Okay, the you mentioned the Clemson win and they beat them twenty eight to seven to begin the season. That was on the national stage, you know, Monday night standalone game. Uh, at the time, that was obviously a surprising margin of victory. What else most surprised you about that victory? I just thought that the way that they defended, uh, and again, the way they stood up physically to Clemson, which to me bodes well against Notre Dame because the the, the narrative this week again is that okay. Yeah, good team, and, and, you know, maybe Clemson's down a little bit, but they just don't have enough physically to, 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 to compete on the line of scrimmage against big and, you know, and tough Notre Dame. And, and I think that's a fallacy. I, I think that they are maybe not as physical, not as big, but I think that they're close enough where they're going to be able to hold their own and be able to run the ball and, uh, and, and, and keep Notre Dame from really gouging them on the ground. Because I think that's where Notre Dame – is going to try to beat them because, listen, they played Sam Hartman last year when, when, he, was at, uh, when he was at Wake Forest, and they beat him, and I believe yep. they intercepted him twice. So, uh, you know, they're not going to be afraid of that passing game, although it, it is a different offense than the one they faced with Wake Forest. But uh, I, I think that, you know, SMA, however you pronounce Notre Dame's top running back, he's a low. But uh, I, I think that uh, you know that's going to be the difference. If they can, if they can stop him or at least contain him, they got a shot at keeping the score down low enough that they can they can win that game. Talking with uh, Brett Freelander of uh, SaturdayRoad.com, currently in the Sports Zone, talking some Duke football here. Uh, we talked. You, know, you mentioned the defense; they've allowed just eight points per game, albeit other than Clemson, uh, got uh, some offenses that aren't exactly uh, lighting it up. No. Uh, so, so what can we kind of, uh, are there a couple of things we should look for early in this game that, uh, defensively for, uh, for, from Duke that would give us an idea of how this game might go on Saturday night? Yeah. Well, first of all, yes, the last three games they played have not been against the best competition, 
But I think the impressive thing is that Duke has not had a letdown. They have not, you know, kind of gotten into a trap game situation. They've, mm-hmm. they've taken care of business. So I think that's a, a good sign. But I think the thing to, to, to look for early in this game is how effectively they run and how effectively uh, Notre Dame is able to run because I think that will kind of give you an idea as to how the difference physically up front is, is going to play out. Um, if, if, if there are holes that, uh, that, that, that uh, uh, Duke is able to run the ball. Now, they don't have to run it, you know, like crazy, but enough to be able to, you know, to be effective and to, to give uh, Riley Leonard the opportunity to throw the ball without being under constant pressure because Notre Dame knows that they have to throw. I, I think that would be a big sign. And, you know, does Notre Dame, uh, you know, get big bashing games uh, on the ground. Uh, if, if neither of those things happen, you know, if, if Duke is able to run semi-effectively early and, and Notre Dame does not have a lot of success early on the ground, I think that's a really good sign for Duke, and that's something to watch because uh, I think if Notre Dame can run the ball early, that's not a good sign for, for Duke. Okay, so let's flip this to the other side. We have the Sam Hartman factor, as you mentioned, yeah, at Wake Forest, of course, for the last twelve years before this year, <laughs> um, he, uh, yeah, he, uh, he, he, it was thirty four, thirty one. So you know they put up some numbers. Uh, Wake Forest did against Duke in that season, uh, regular season finale last year. But do you think that the the Hartman factor here, quote unquote, or lack of a better term for me, uh, does that play a role on Saturday night you know, against in the game uh, in Durham this week? I think it has to. It's not going to play as big a part because the the style of offense that Notre Dame plays is is just totally different from that slow mesh RPO uh, uh, offense that Hartman ran at Wake Forest. But I think they know his tendencies. They know, uh, you know, where he likes to go on the field when he gets into trouble and, you know, when he likes to pull it down and run. And then the other thing is, you know, everybody's, you know, the narrative about Sam Hartman is that he's cool under pressure. And for the most part, he is. But last week against Ohio State, late in that game in the third quarter when yep. things started getting away from them, I, I thought he showed some signs of, of, of panic. And, you know, last year against Louisville, uh, he threw two pick sixes in the third quarter when they got behind and he tried to do too much. So if they can rattle him and put some pressure on him, um, uh, they feel like that they can turn him over. So I, I think there is something to be said for it, but because the, the offensive scheme is so different, uh, it's not a huge advantage. Yeah, I'll add one other thing about that game from last Saturday night, that last drive, uh, you know, a couple of not the best throws of his career, also some really questionable play calling by Notre Dame in the well, final let me say offensive else drive. about that game is, is yeah. that, you know, when, when you look at Mike Elko and his staff and compare them to, 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 uh, to, to Freeman and his staff, um, there's no excuse. First of all, on, on third and 19, there's no excuse for giving up a pass to the one-yard line. That's number one. Right. And number two is how how do you get caught with 10 guys on the field for the one play that's going to determine the outcome of the game? And, and I just kind of feel like um, there, are, there are areas there when it comes to organization, when it comes to preparedness, when it comes to coaching that are exploitable. Uh, and, and I think that uh, that – the, uh, the Duke is the more disciplined team. Duke is the more, uh, I, I think, fundamentally sound team. So uh, there are there are areas yeah. there that they can possibly exploit. Yeah, they actually had ten men on the field the last two plays of that game against Ohio yeah. State. 
Um, okay, got college game day, football version. Uh, is it Duke for the first time ever? They've been there plenty of times for basketball, the basketball version of college game day. How do you think is uh, what's the atmosphere going to be like? And you know, I'm sure that they're already gearing up a little bit. They, you know, for basketball, they have the, uh, you know, the tents outside for the Cameron indoor crazies and all that. <laughs> but uh, I'm guessing this is going to be pretty wild. And you know, maybe you know, by the time game day, I'm, you know, the, the crew is there like on a Friday, and they do like they just they just whole... rolled into town this afternoon, actually. Yeah. Okay, so like, you know, the entire Friday ESPN programming usually comes from the site of game day. So this has got to be wild, right? You would think so. I'm, I'm expecting a pretty wild uh, uh, scene. Uh, their, their student section has been full, uh, a couple of home games that they've played. But it's, I'm kind of a little bit interested in seeing exactly how wild it's going to be and what the atmosphere is going to be like. Because that Clemson game, I would say at least a third of the stands were filled with orange. And Notre Dame, you know, they're Subway alumni. They they travel and and (laughs) they've got fans everywhere. And so I would imagine there's going to be a very large contingent of Notre Dame fans in that uh, that stadium as well. So it'll be interesting to see the the dynamic of the crowd there for uh, for game day and how that plays out. Uh, But it should be a pretty great atmosphere. And I think the fact that, that Duke played that standalone Labor Day game against Clemson is going to help them prepare for this because there's going to be a lot of attention, a lot of distraction off the field. But they've been through this a little bit already, not quite the way it's going to be with game day, but they've kind of experienced this already once this season. I think that's going to help them to not get caught up just kind of being, you know, looking around and and patting themselves on the back and, and, and feeling like they've arrived until they actually play the game. Okay, one final storyline here is Elko obviously was previously, his previous gig was the defensive coordinator at Notre Dame. That's only three seasons ago. Uh, yep. you know, it's, he's got to be familiar, obviously, with some of the Notre Dame personnel. They've been a lot of transfers and so forth since, but how much does that factor in on Saturday? I think it does factor in. Um, and uh, just knowing the way Notre Dame goes about things. And I just, it's any kind of inside information, any kind of intel that you can get is always helpful. So I think it definitely, again, I same with the Sam Hartman situation. I don't think it's going to be a game breaking kind of advantage, but it can't hurt. All right. Notre Dame is a five point favorite. So, you know, Duke's a four and a half point home underdog. Does they, do they win the game? If not, do they cover the five and a half? Ooh, wow. That's a really good question. I, I, let's put it this way. I think it's going to be a really close game for three quarters. And I think it's going to come down to whether Duke can turn over Notre Dame or not. Uh, I think they, uh, I think Notre Dame wins this game. Um, I think that Duke has got a shot of, uh, of covering unless they give up a late touchdown that, you know, one of those backdoor kind of covers. All right. Good stuff, Brad. I appreciate you jumping on board with this last second. Thank you very much. Anytime. Brad Freelander of SaturdayRoad.com, and he literally just jumped on in a couple of minutes before we got going. So thank you very much, Brett.